But hey, I'm excited to be sharing with you guys. We're in our second installment this week of the Good Father series, and I'm going to be speaking on the Good Shepherd, how Jesus is our Good Shepherd. But before we uh, dive into God's Word, will you pray with me this morning? Uh, Father God, I just thank you that, Lord, we have the freedom just to come and just gather in your presence today, God. I just ask that you would, would meet us in this place. And as we look at your Word, God, Lord, let me not speak the words of man, but let me speak your words, God. Lord, that we might just come and encounter you, come and encounter your living word, and just be filled with your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to John 10. We're going to be looking today at verses 1 through 21. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it. We're going to have it up on the screens, but I want to give you a little bit of context of what we're looking at today. So um, this passage that we're getting ready to look at, it's actually a continuation of a previous conversation that has just happened in the last chapter. And and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's talking to some of the religious leaders of the day. And so just before this is the story where Jesus has healed the blind man. Maybe you remember that one where he he goes down and he spits in the dirt and uh, rubs rubs the mud on his eyes. Would anyone let Jesus spit in some dirt and rub in your eyes this morning? I don't know. Definitely not with coronavirus around here. But... um, But really, the Pharisees, they wanted to seek to discredit Jesus. They wanted to just chop everything up as this big hoax, and they are trying to get people to turn away and see, try to pretty much paint him as this false teacher. And so what Jesus tells them is says, uh, in contrast to that miracle, he says, you guys are actually the ones who are blind. Because of your evil ways, you are actually disqualified from leading these people because of your spiritual blindness. And that's where we pick up our story today. So John 10, 1 through 21, verse 1 says this. It says, Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But if he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls, out, uh, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And it says, this, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so basically now he recaps what he's going to say, but pretty much brings in like the parables for dummies version. And so verse seven, we pick that back up and it says, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. And then these last couple verses here say, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? That's a great question. And the way you'd answer that is a lot of how you perceive Jesus. But today what I want to do is I want to look at three major statements that Jesus talks about here um, as he's going through this. So he, he makes three big overarching statements that I think really outlines our time well today. And the first one is, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. So Jesus is talking about how people are actually trying to enter into the fold. You know, as we were just reading a few moments ago, you know, he was talking about how other people have tried to get in from into the, the fold by other ways other than Jesus. And what is interesting here is really what are these people looking for? And Jesus is actually going to go and he's hitting something that's beneath the surface. And what he's addressing is actually these, how these people are trying to achieve peace. They, they're trying to find a place where they can go and their soul can take pasture. They're striving for wholeness. And I would say that probably every single one of us in here this morning is looking for some kind of wholeness in our soul. But what is of importance here is how you try to enter in. And he says, if someone has tried to enter in by any other means but me, then they are here for the wrong reasons and watch out for them. That is where Jesus draws this distinction between a shepherd and a thief. You know, he emphasizes this by saying the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And you know, a lot of times we've related this to the devil, but here in this particular passage, in this context, he's actually relating it back to the religious rulers of the day because they have tried to enter into the flock of God by means other than what God has intended. So this actually isn't talking about them. It's talking about these spiritual leaders. And he's speaking that way of them because they have actually tried to pursue these positions. They've tried to pursue this influence with the wrong motives and with the wrong intentions. And so these leaders were actually seeking status and ease of life at the inconvenience of others. And I think that this applies not only to pastors and spiritual leaders, it definitely applies to us, but I think that this also, is, as Christians, as business owners, as employees, I think that this also applies to this as well. Because, you know, when you're looking and you're trying to take that next step in life, maybe today you're, you're actively pursuing a promotion. Maybe today you're actively pursuing more influence in your business or your sphere of life, what I would ask you is to determine your heart in the issue. Are you looking to get that promotion because you want to serve? Or are you looking for that promotion because you want others to serve you? And this is what Jesus is hitting the heart of today because we all know that ambition, excellence, all those things, those are Christian values, you know, and when we take this and when we get our heart in the right place, it is actually a very holy endeavor. But 
when it becomes self-seeking and self-promoting, that's where God says it actually becomes evil. And there's a, there's a pretty thin line there sometimes. But really what it comes down to is are you willing to do that at the expense of others? I think that's the question you have to ask yourself today. And what I notice here is that Jesus is quote-unquote uh, condemning the leaders of that day because they were putting their own needs in front of the flock. And so when you actually, when you look at the, the New Testament as a whole, we see, you know, the religious leaders, a lot of them were very self-seeking. And a lot of times Jesus is actually condemning them because of the way that they go about leading his flock. And so the Pharisees, one of the things that they would love to do is they love to go to the festivals and be given the prime time seat at the table. And above that, they, as they walked through the streets, people were actually supposed to like bow down to them and give them honor and glory. And additionally, they would, just, they would take up these other things to financially actually oppress the people that they were leading. And so this is what Jesus is hitting at the heart of. And um, because what they were trying to do is they were trying to seek self-sufficiency. They were trying to find peace, but they were doing it at the detriment of those they were called to serve. And I think that that's an important distinction for us to begin to think around our, our minds around today. And I think that this is actually a warning for us as Christians today as well, as we as Christians look to continue to lead the flocks that God has given us in our places of influence in life. So really ask yourself the question, what is our heart in the matter? Is it that we can enjoy this status you know, enjoy this, this moment of, you know, of being better than somebody else, or maybe it's that you don't feel important and you're, you're chasing after these roles so that you can just get a little bit more self-worth. Because what I would say today is that's the wrong foundation. That's the wrong platform. Today, if you are in Jesus, you are a child of God, you are part of the flock and that is where your self-worth comes from. And so Jesus condemns these, mans, these men for doing it for any other reason than for honoring God. And so Jesus then says, if anyone enters by me, then he will be saved and will go in and out and will find pasture, bringing it back to the idea of peace, of rest. And when we look at the whole of Scripture, uh, the people of God have always been looking for that peace that we had in the garden with God, and also looking forward to the peace we know we will once again have on the other side of eternity in heaven as well. And so the, in the whole idea of, this, of what's going on, it's, and it's a big thing that kind of goes underneath the layer of Jewish literature there, is this inner struggle, this inner chaos that they're looking to be brought to, to peace. And I think most of us today, we could kind of resonate with that. You know, where there's just that churning in your soul where you're, you're just like, nothing is going to satisfy this other than having some genuine connection with the King of Kings this morning. And that's why it's so important as we do come back every Sunday just to center ourselves once again. But I don't know about you, I think everyone I know is actually looking for that kind of peace in their life in one way or another. And I think it gets churned up because life gets busy. God gives us so many things to do, and we have those blessings that we get to do to serve God or to serve our families, whatever that might be. And here, 
uh, the, actually the Hebrew word for peace gives us this word picture of bringing order out of chaos. Or maybe think of it as bringing calm to a storm. And what it actually reminds me of is in Genesis, when we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, it says that the earth was formless, it was void, and then the Spirit of God is actually hovering over all the earth and brings everything back into order, brings those storms into order, and God brings a beautiful creation out of it. And so for us, we need, we're, we're seeking peace But Jesus is letting us know that it can only be found in the places that he's going to bring us into. It can only be found there. Jesus also says, if anyone enters by me, then he will be saved. And I want to just take a moment and just and just put something out as clearly as I can say it. Because I think in our culture, and especially sometimes in even churches, this is getting muddied. And I think that it's worth time to take and to address. And so I want to say it as plainly as I can, is Jesus is the only way you can be saved. Jesus is the only way you can be saved. And I know that in, in our culture, there's promotion of other religions and philosophies and all these things. You know, sometimes I hear it said that um, all rivers flow into the sea. You know, that's, that's a really great t-shirt that might look good on your coffee mug, but that's not going to see you into eternity. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what Jesus says is, I am the door. You can only enter into the fold by this way. And I remember um, when I was a kid, I I was thinking about this this week as I read this. Uh, I had a friend whose name was Demetrius when we were in fifth grade. I remember we were sitting down in the classroom one time. We had some free time, and somehow we got on the topic of religion. And at that time, I, I had been to some VBSs. I wasn't really a Christian or anything. But I remember him talking about his faith with Jesus. And the way he put it was, well, I, I go to church, and I prayed the prayer just in case this thing is real. Right? Maybe that hit a little too close to home for someone this morning because it was, I'm going to check the Jesus box just in case there is something on the other side of eternity. But can I tell you today that Jesus is not your just in case plan? Jesus is not some good insurance policy, but that he is real, that he is alive, and that he knows you this morning. So today you can have confidence that Jesus is real. And did you know that he didn't die just so you can go to heaven after your last breath? That, that's part of it. But that's only one half of the picture. But he actually died so that you could begin to experience the blessings of heaven on this side of eternity. So check out what he says in verse 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So when we follow him, we can live life with one foot in the now and one foot in eternity, where we get to access the blessings of heaven on this side, and we can begin to live out that idea that we've been talking about all year of your kingdom come. And I love one of the things that we've been saying often is, um, for his kingdom to come, our kingdom must go. 
And, but this is what it looks like. It, that's that idea of your kingdom come, that as we seek God's kingdom, we are beginning to bring our focus into perspective on what God's will is. And in that, we live out the abundance of an almighty God. And this leads us into our second point here, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So for, as I was getting ready, pre- preparing, you know, I was beginning to think like of that picture of a shepherd, because obviously Jesus is, is making it important here, right? He's drawing some, to something super specific. But what do you think of when you think of a shepherd? For me, I think of some Scottish guy on the side of a hill wearing his best Morona wool sweater, some jeans and uh, some high rubber boots. I don't know. That's just what comes to my mind. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. <laughs> that's definitely not what Jesus and the people that day were thinking of when they heard a shepherd. But I actually wanted to, I wanted to, to correct my perception. I wanted to, as I got into this, try to live in the moment and see what is actually going on. What are these people thinking about? What is Jesus really trying to say as he brings out this illustration? So I want to share with you what I learned about a shepherd as we kind of take that and look through the context of what Jesus is saying as well. So a shepherd, the closest thing that we can relate it to in our culture is a farmer, but yet a shepherd is still not quite like a farmer. You know, a farmer oversees many different types of animals and, you know, they go and they they feed them in this pen and that pen and so on and so forth. A shepherd is assigned to just one flock and it's, it's sheep. They have a corral of sheep. Um, one thing that's neat is often a shepherd had exactly a hundred sheep, a hundred sheep per shepherd. And so this position of shepherd was actually uh, very hard and yet it was very dangerous at the same time. And although there were many risks, it, it was necessary to the economy, and it was essential for the survival of people. And so each morning, the shepherd would uh, they'd wake up, and they would actually go out before the flock, and they would actually call out to them, which I just think is such this cool picture that they're up before them, and they, they're calling out to them to just come and run along with them. And I think this draws something important. And it says, Jesus says that the sheep know his voice. Have you ever heard the audible voice of God before? I haven't. But I have heard and seen him speak in, in other ways. You know, I used to get so worried that as a Christian, if I hadn't heard this big booming voice from heaven, then maybe I wasn't actually part of his fold. Or maybe I wasn't, um, I wasn't a sheep, but I want to tell you that God communicates in, in many other ways, that his voice just isn't always this big booming thing coming down from heaven, but he speaks in many ways to us. And so I think that Jesus is trying to hit something deeper here. And one of the ways that God does speak is that deep, almost feeling inside of you that you can't put words to. I don't know if anyone has ever experienced that where it's like, I know that I need to go do that thing. And I, I can't, I, that's, it's not out of my own mind. I know that this is in line with who God is. And I think for us, as people of God, we need to stop asking, is God speaking? But I think the proper question is, do I know how to discern his voice from all the noise in my life? 
And, you know, I've had many people ask, well, how do I know if it's God or if it's me? And I think that that's a really great question. And I would just put it through this quick filter. Um, I would say, does it line up with God's word? Is it, is, it, um, is it compatible with who I know he is, who his character is? And then what I would say is ask him to confirm it. Ask him to confirm it. He's done that time and time and time again for his people. He will confirm his word, but when he confirms it, have the courage to do it. Because I'll tell you from personal experience, sometimes it's easy to just shake it off. God will say, hey, go speak to that person. This is what's going on in their life. You need to go pray. And I'm like, God, I'm in Target right now. I'm in my shorts and my sandals. I, I am not ready for this. And he says, go. So when he gives us that command, we need to be ready to respond to his word. But I want to encourage you today that like anything else, it'll take practice. And if you don't get it right the first time, don't get discouraged because God is going to speak again. It's not a test like, oh, I didn't do it this one time, so all of a sudden God's no longer going to talk to me. No, but what I say is the longer and longer you walk with the Lord, the easier it will be to discern his voice from the rest of the noise in your life. And just like he says here that the sheep are able to discern the shepherd's voice from a stranger's voice. So be encouraged. As you walk longer with the Lord, you will get this thing. But one of the visuals that I love about a shepherd is that they walk in front of the flock. So like a shepherd, you know, they're, they're calling back to the sheep to come on. And just like God does, he wants to lead us into these places of pasture where we can rest. You know, that's one of the most common imageries that we see of God is that of a shepherd. So he wants to lead us into places that are filled with his blessing. And what I love is that even though the path may be rugged to get to the place of blessing, the shepherd is still leading us to get there. And, you know, in, in Psalms, it talks about that a lot. Psalm 23, he says, I will make you lie down in green pastures. I will make you, what he says, I'm going to bring you into places of blessing, and I will bring you that rest that your soul is so desiring. And then the shepherd, when the sun is actually at its hottest, the shepherd leads the sheep to shaded areas to lie down. When he's out in the field, he or she's out in the field, they're looking for places where they can bring their sheep to go and rest, where they can get that protection from the midday sun. And then after that, the way the shepherd winds down the day is that they actually begin to bring all of the sheep back into what's called the fold. It's like a big protected area. Think of almost like a barn, like a big barn that could hold over 100 sheep. So they're bringing them into this area. And as they do so, they're actually counting each sheep, which I think is amazing. So if any are missing, the shepherd actually goes back into the evening darkness and looks for the sheep. It's just like Jesus says when he says, I will leave the 99 to go find the one. Today, do you believe that God even notices you? Or do you believe that God cares about your story that in a room of maybe a hundred people right now, that God knows exactly what's going on. Or that if you were to not be here, that God wouldn't notice. But I can tell you this morning, undoubtedly, yes. 
God knows you. God loves you. Jesus says that he knows his sheep the same way that the Father knows the Son. Today, Jesus knows your name. Today, Jesus knows your name. And one of the wild things about a shepherd is that they actually need to be willing to lay down their life for the sheep that they are overseeing. Because the shepherd, as they're out, they're out in the wilderness, oftentimes they actually have to defend the sheep from like large wild animals or from robbers. And at many times it will actually cost the shepherd their life. So Jesus draws this distinction between the selflessness of a shepherd and the self-preservation of a hired hand. So when danger arrives, the hired hand will flee. And Jesus is calling these Pharisees hired hands because they seek their own well-being over that of the flock. They were willing to see the church succumb and be defeated by its spiritual foes. They were not willing to stand up for God amidst everything that was going on. And can I tell you today that this is the conviction of each of your pastors here at Abundant Life Church, that we stand in our community for truth and justice no matter what it may cost us. We will always stand on this stage and preach the truth of God's word in love even if it will drive big givers away because the word of God is too important to us. We will always go down into the lowest places of our community and be an extension of God's love, even if it will cost us our reputations in this community. And you know why? Because your soul is too important. Because the souls of those who have yet to darken the doors of our church is too important to us. Jesus said, said this to them. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Church, there's good news this morning. God has more sheep that he wants to bring into the fold. That God is not done with the business of saving people from hell, because hell is a real thing. God is not done with that Yet, he has more people he wants to bring under his protection and praise God because you and I were not of that original fold. Because, but God's plan from the very beginning was that all men would know him. For goodness sake, he created man. And he didn't create man to be alienated from them or to create division and segregation between them. But he, he created man that we might have a deep and personal, intimate relationship with him. I love the imagery that's given in the book of Revelation. It says where, um, if maybe you remember this, where John is there and he's seeing a vision of what's going to come in the future. And as far as he can see, there's people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, and they are all bowing down and worshiping God. And I think that this is such a beautiful picture. And it reminds me of this one big thought that God's people are one people. That God's people are one people. There's be no division and no segregation between them. And although we all have our, have our 
our upbringings, we have all these things that might define us. We fly under one banner, and his name is Jesus. So I want to take a moment, and I know that this is a hot topic, but just like I said, we're not going to be afraid as a church to talk about these things. Therefore, we need to fight for the rights of all of our brothers and sisters. You know, right now there's so much tension in our nation, in our community. You know, you stand on one side of issues or the other. You are for Black Lives Matter, or are you for Blue Lives Matter? And, And I would say, what about the third option? What about just like Jesus, where we stand in the gap? We stand in the gap for people, where we hear people's stories on each side, and where we can show love to everyone in this. Because can I tell you, I've talked with my black friends, and I've talked with my police officer friends, and here's the common denominator. Neither one of them feel heard, and neither one of them feel cared about. My goodness, what an opportunity for the church to be real Christians in this time. Come on, where we can stand in the gap. Because let me tell you this, that when we look at the kingdom of God, God's people are one people. And his flock is filled with many colored sheep today, church. They are filled with many colored sheep. If the church cannot get this right, it's going to continue to polarize one camp or another. And how will we ever be agents of peace and bringers of change if we are not willing to lay down our own personal preferences to stand up for the truth of God's word and love people in the midst of this? Because God's kingdom is too important. Our our predispositions or whatever have to die that the truth of God's word can come alive in us. And can I tell you, as pastors, we don't always get this right. I'm, I'm a sinful man just like anyone else in here, but we seek in every moment to honor God to the best of our ability with the knowledge that we have. We are here to serve you, not for our own self-gain, but simply to see that you fulfill everything that God has called you to do, that we may build his kingdom together. And as we do that, these are the hills that, we are worth, that are worth dying on for us. Truth, justice, and love. That, those are the hills that as pastors we will die on every single time because your soul And the souls of those people in our community are too dear to us. And this is the last statement Jesus says. He says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. As the good shepherd, Jesus lays down his life for us that he may take it up once again. And what I love is that Jesus wouldn't even let death on a cross stop him from coming back alive to lead his sheep again. That death could not hold him down. That he said, my father has given me work to do. I have many sheep. I have many sheep to bring into my kingdom. And I will not let death stop me or cut that calling short from me. What I love is that even after his death, for 40 days, he still appears to his disciples. 
and he comes and he comforts them after his own death. And he gives them, tries to impart wisdom to them. What's coming next? Hey, you need to stay here. You need to pray because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to be a teacher to you. And he's going to empower you to continue to bring my kingdom to this place. But then afterwards, he ascends into heaven where then he tells his disciples that he's actually going to prepare a place for them. Once again, just that beautiful picture of a shepherd who goes out in front of the sheep, who goes before them to lead them into pastures. Jesus has gone before us in death that we may not experience the sting of death and that he may lead us into places that are already prepared for us in the Father's house. Is that not good news this morning, church? So yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus is the good shepherd. He didn't do it for fame or for his own glory, but that his sheep may be with him forever in the Father's house. And if there's one thing, if you don't remember anything else that I said today, I want you to put, this, uh, put a cliff note on this one, is that Jesus is leading, so will you follow him? Jesus is out in front calling to his sheep, will you follow him today? Because just like at the end of, uh, end of our reading today, we have a choice. We can be like those who said that Jesus was demon-possessed. We can discredit his words. We can discredit the things that he's called us to. Or we can be like the others and say, surely if Jesus was demon-possessed, then how could he heal the blind? So for us, Jesus wants to lead us into places of blessing. Although these places will still have trials, it will be blessed with his presence. So today, we have that decision to make, whether, rather to recognize him as a madman or recognize him as a good shepherd and the son of God. And so in our closing today, maybe today you are here and, and you've never given your life to Jesus there is no better pre- there's no better moment than the present to do so because I don't believe that our God is a God of accidents. If you are here today, it's not because you stumbled in here on accident. God was actually calling you and you just didn't know it yet. And so I want to give you a legitimate opportunity to just come and receive him. And what that looks like is, you know, we just, we pray a prayer and there's nothing special about the prayer actually. It's about the posture of our heart and turning and saying, my kingdom will go so that Jesus' kingdom can come because I recognize him as my savior. And like we talked about, he's the only way to heaven. And so if we could just all bow our heads today, and if you just pray with me, if, you're, you know, if, if you want to accept Jesus into your heart, you want to start a new life with him, just mean this in your heart and just pray with me. Father, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your death, for your burial, and for your resurrection, that I can be holy in the sight of God. Take my life and lead me. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.